You're very welcome along to the Brian and Kieran Warfield podcast, the ramblings of two Irish balladeers, featuring Brian Warfield of the fierce and mighty Wolf Tones and his son Kieran, that's me, of the band Catalpa and also of the bandwagon bus Dublin's only musical ballad tour on wheels. So sit back, relax, grab a tea, coffee, beer, or wine, or whatever takes your fancy as we go rambling through life's misty, foggy dew, through stories, songs, history, politics, life on the road. And just a general bit of crack. That's going round The shamrock is by law forbid To grow on Irish ground St. Patrick's Day no more Will keep his colours can't be seen For they're hanging men and women For the wearing of the green I met with Nabertan the And he took me by the hand He said how's dear old Ireland And how does she stand She's the most distressful country that you have ever seen For the hanging men and women, for the wearing of the green For the wearing of the green, for the wearing of the green They're hanging men and women, for the wearing of the green Then since the colour we must wear is England's cruel red Sure, Ireland's sons will ne'er forget the blood that they have shed. You may take the shamrock from your hat and cast it on the sod, but will take root and flourish there, no wonder foot is trod. My father loved his country and sleeps within its breast. While I that would have died for her must never so be blessed. Those tears my mother shed for me, how bitter they had been. If I had proved a traitor to the wearing of the green, for the wearing of the green, for the wearing of the green, they're hanging men and women for the wearing of the green. But if at last our colours should be torn from Ireland's heart, her sons with shame and sorrow from the dear old Isle will part. I've heard a whisper of a land that lies beyond the sea, where rich and poor stand equal in the light of freedom's day. Oh, Ireland, must we leave you driven by a tyrant's hand and seek a mother's blessing from a strange and distant land where the cruel cross of England shall never more be seen and in that land we live and die still wearing Ireland's green for the wearing of the green for the wearing of the green they're hanging men and women for the wearing of the green for the wearing of the green for the green, for the green, they're hanging men and women. Oh. 
the wearing of the green. Okay, for those uh, who probably aren't watching on Facebook Live, uh, my dad has a puppet uh, of a leprechaun. It's not a puppet. Oh, it's, it's not a, a puppet, real. sorry. It's Seamus is real. Um, so you're very welcome along to the sixth podcast, which is called The Zoological Gardens on St. Patrick's Day. And I might say it's, uh, what time is it? It's half eight and my dad and myself have had dinner Pints and wine. <laughs> so we're I think Seamus had some too. And Seamus is after having about 10 bottles of Guinness. So <laughs> Seamus is well drunk. Um, so before we get into it, uh, there's one thing that I need to say, and this was uh, asked to do on Facebook. Um, so it said, please mention Harry Dolan from Black Rock and Dundalk, who has a rare disease, which is, I think, MSL3, which slows Harry's progress. Uh, and the family are looking for help in helping Harry to fight back against the disease and he's working hard to catch up. So, so please support Harry on his journey and you can find details of his GoFundMe page at Help for Harry on both Facebook and Instagram. Instagram. So if you can give anything towards that, that would be great. I think that's a great idea, yeah. God help him and God bless him. So, uh, Zoological Gardens, Dad. Oh yeah, that was one of my favorite songs. Um, you know, back then I, I was kind of focusing in on a, you know, a lot of the Dublin songs. As I said, I was in, yeah, in the, um, in the National Library a lot, and uh, I collected a lot of songs there. And that was just one of them that came up. Um, a great collection, and um, it's a, it was a, I think a, a song that. Uh, you know, told the story of its time because remember the Dublin Zoo was one of the first um, zoos around. Uh, people coming in from America used to go to the zoo just to see the lions and all that. And remember, the lion in the Dublin Zoo is the lion that you see on MGM. You know that? Is I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> because they didn't have they didn't have the zoos in America, but that was that was the 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 lion that's featured in the MGM. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, actually, Dublin Zoo, and I know this from doing the, the bandwagon, uh, yes, that yeah. Dublin Zoo is the third oldest zoo in the world. That's what I was saying. Was and Ulysses S. Grant came over to see the famous lines that you're talking about. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, they, as I said, people used to come in from America, uh, they'd um, get off their boat, whatever, in uh, Cove and uh, go to Dublin. And to, just to see the Dublin Zoo. It's a famous zoo all over the world. Queenstown. And we should love, we should love it, uh, certainly, and be proud of it. You know, um, they, they've gone on from strength to strength. And in these sad times, I'm sure they they need support from uh, many, many places uh, because they, they're not funded uh, by government, as far as I know. Uh, so they depend on, you know, people coming and visiting and paying in and, we, I know as we as kids uh, were brought to the zoo many, many times. We loved it. We loved the monkeys. We loved everything, the elephants and everything. It was just a wonderful, wonderful experience. I remember when Granda used to bring us, uh, and Granda used to, I probably shouldn't say this, but... <laughs> <laughs> you better not. <laughs> ah, sure, look, at, we're all friends here. He used to throw us under the fence. <laughs> You had this secret area 
where you could get it. Where it's a good job you didn't come in. You didn't go into the monkey's cage. Or the but I don't know. Cage. I don't even know if he knew where he was letting us into. Like you know, he just just he'd be like, get under the get under get under quickly, like, and we'd go under. And then we, yeah, end up at the balloon. There used to be about ten of us. Like because it'd be Pierce, Sinead, myself, Siobhan, or whatever, and we'd and Carl and. Neil, I think, whoever you know, that would be my father for sure. Yeah, he, he, I think we, he, I think we went in that way ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, you know, working people back then didn't have the money to go to the zoo so often. Yeah. It was just uh, something that uh, we couldn't afford. We couldn't afford a lot, but there you go. That's what we had, and we made the best of it. But when it opened, uh, most Dubliners couldn't afford because it was, I think. Now it opened in 1838, I think was the original date, and it was five cent or five pence or six pence in, Ooh. which was a lot of money. Of course, and, it, yeah. and it was eventually because they, at the time they they only wanted the the middle class and upper class to be able to visit it, and then they realised that they needed more money, and they reduced it to one p on a Sunday. Oh, so that's when ordinary Dubliners could afford it. They didn't know about under the railings. They? <laughs> they <didn't know. laughs> it was a cheaper way to go than the penny. <laughs> under, get under the rail there quick, quick before you're caught. <laughs> I think Granda had his own pair of shears or something. <laughs> <laughs> so the penny, uh, uh, was probably more than a penny during your time. But Yeah. But the one thing I, and it was, it was designed by an Englishman and the same Englishman that designed Regent Park, uh, Green Park, um, and uh, where else? A couple of other places. But he also designed that uh, obelix in Wellington's Monument. Seamus is looking a bit drunk. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's had too much. Uh, by the way, this is Seamus. Uh, I'm going to stick a picture of him up on uh, on the Facebook so people can see what we're talking about <laughs> afterwards when they're listening to the yeah, podcast. It's, it's no good in the podcast, yeah. But uh, yeah, we've had fun today and... Uh, you know, we've, we 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 did a little bit on the TikTok uh, site there, and we we had Seamus um, tell the story and uh, his own story, and he was uh, dancing around the place, but he got a little bit too much drink, and now he's dumbfounded. it. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if dumb. I think I'm more dumbfounded than Seamus at this stage. <laughs> but. Speaking of, because uh, you were talking about Cove, and Cove obviously also known as Queenstown, and the same man who designed the Phoenix Park also redesigned Cove. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah his yeah. name was, are you ready for this? Yeah. Decimus Burton. <laughs> and he was a lover of everything um, Roman. Really? So yeah, the, that, that's the Roman influence Decimus. on architecture, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, but uh, anyway... Uh, so, Zoological Gardens, Dad, you sang that song on the. On the it front was uh, yeah one of the one of the songs I liked. Uh, I liked the Dublinese uh, type of thing, and uh, you know um, a lot of uh, Derek uh, was, uh, and I think Noel Tommy at the time were kind of Clancy Butter stuff, and uh, they, they had country accents. Remember <laughs> right? But I I I I. I just got out there and done my Dublin accent as the best I could and as normal as I could and as normal as I should. But that's the way it was. We, You know, we evolved from, you know, all the different uh, aspects of Irish folk music. And 
there's so many aspects of it. It's so it's such a diverse um, tradition. You know, I think a lot of people, you know, dwell on the um, the reels and jigs and the dance music of Ireland, and they call it traditional music. Of course, it is traditional music, but so is the ballad. The ballad is as much a tradition in Ireland as any other of our dance music. And, uh, you know, I was very proud of the ballad tradition. Now, the ballad tradition, not alone was it country-wise, it was uh, the storytellers going into the village, going into the town, going to the uh, festival, going to the fair, the race meeting, and telling the stories as they heard it and put the song. And so, like... The Zoological Gardens was such a... It was a brand new thing that people didn't understand or know about in the ordinary com- community. So it was a kind of a funny song uh, that uh, that indeed told a story about these strange animals like the hairy baboon and uh, those other strange animals that the uh, people in Ireland never saw or never knew about. Remember, people didn't have the money to buy papers or you know, to get it on television. They had nothing like that, no internet, no nothing. The only thing they had was a ballad singer to come around and tell them all about what was happening all over their world, which was Ireland. And who wrote it? Well, know? sometimes it was put down to Zosimus. Yeah. And, uh, I thought that all right, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we don't know because... You're going back to the 1780s, 1790s, 1770s. What day did you say that was? Uh, 1831 it opened. In. Uh, yeah, but I mean, Zazimus then was a little before that, so yeah. probably wasn't him. But yeah. uh, I don't know how Zazimus, he might have lived to see the opening. He yeah. might have, yeah. Well, in, in one thing that was, in 1838 was Queen Victoria's coronation and Dublin Zoo opened for free on that day and because it was so expensive to go to see it 20,000 Dubliners went through the zoo on that day I wouldn't blame them it's free <laughs> yeah. they must have known about that well, it, was so, it was so exotic like it was, it was so exotic like, of but, course yeah. it was yes. but it's never been beaten that that and it'll never be probably will never be beaten but 20,000 people through the zoo on, yeah. on, in one day is just incredible but but we don't thank Victoria for that. She didn't pay it, did she? No, <laughs> no, I'm not. Money I'm not. to the dogs and hats home during the famine. I'm not saying. Uh, I'm not saying that. But look at um, the one thing about it is, and I always remember going to to Dublin Zoo as a kid when we paid in, going through the front door by the thatch, the thatch cottage at the front, which was beautiful. <laughs> but that was designed by uh, the same fella, Desimus Burton. But I also remember you playing a gig. In the bandstand below the yeah the, yeah we did we played a gig there. Um, now I have a very small memory of that. Now just yeah, I just yeah. remember the banks going down. And any time I'm in the Phoenix Park, I would say to Katrina, I say that's that's where my dad played and thing. But yeah, I don't we did. remember. Very, it was some kind of festival. I can't remember what it was. But we also made um, a video up in the up in the Dublin Zoo. Yeah. And we made a, a video... Um, that was for the 25th, was it? 25th the 25th anniversary, anniversary yeah. yeah. And I sang the Zoological Gardens and I couldn't believe it because... Uh, you some head of hair in that, by the way. I'd a head of hair, I've known now. But, uh, like, uh, the... the um, yeah, we, we, we visited the monkeys and we had fun and all around like that. 
And suddenly we went to the apes, you know, we went up to the apes and we, we were continuing on the filming and all that. The apes were watching along. Next of all, they put their hands in their bum bums. They took out their... Uh, sure. You can, you can say it, throw, it's your It's your uh, podcast, you can say it. And start throwing shite at the wolf tones. Now, I don't think they understood good music and good singing like uh, they didn't know, realise, but... Uh, I think they they remember granddad and getting in for free. (laughs) (laughs) So here's these fuckers trying to get in for free again. (laughs) Them guys didn't pay, did they? (laughs) But anyway, I couldn't believe it. And you can see it in the video. They get very irritated. And, uh, you know, they go, they're running across from left to right, you know, and everything else like that. We didn't show the the shit flying (laughs) on the video because we were ducking at the time. But... uh, yeah, it was just hilarious, honest to God, you know. People couldn't believe it. it. You know, you couldn't make the script up, but that's what it was. Were the English monkeys? <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably they came in from some... Uh, Loyalists. You no, know, some part of Africa that was still under the, under the thumb of uh, the empire. So, uh, one thing I want to say is that we are six weeks running now and we've hit 21 countries. So I want to say a big shout out to our, our friend in China who's who's uh, had a listen in, and in Vanatua. Well, we're, we're very proud to have you and welcome yeah. aboard. Um, you know, the world is a smaller place now since the internet and people all over the world can enjoy and things of other cultures across yeah. the world. We're very proud that uh, uh, people are listening across the world and uh, it's it's a great sense of feeling. It's a great feeling, isn't it? That, uh, you know, we're penetrating all over the world. And the other thing which was, uh, I was quite fascinated was just the other night we had a listener in Mexico and I remember you telling me a story about when the Wolf Tones went to Mexico. Am I right in saying that you did go to Mexico, play a gig in Mexico? Oh, we did. We played in Nogales. Uh, it's, it's a border town in, in Arizona and um, the, in that... Uh, in that place, uh, we played a concert on the on the U.S. side. It's one town. On one side is uh, Nogales, uh, Mexico. On the other side of the town, Seamus knows where it is. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the other side, on, on the other side is um, is uh, Nogales uh, in the U.S. So we played on the U.S. side in a in, a, in a, a ballroom attached to a hotel there, and it was all seated, kind of a concert and everything else like that. But the following. And that night after the after the concert, um, I I met with people from Mexico, uh, the O'Neills, and uh, they invited me to breakfast the next day, uh, which I did. They said, "Come down about ten o'clock. We'd have breakfast together." We wanted to, they wanted to have an old chat and a speak and whatever, talk about Ireland and everything. They had great ancestry from Ireland, and there were. Quite, uh, they were a farming community. They lived in uh, the, the other side of the border. But I said, uh, you know, I met people like uh, Gonzalez O'Neill <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, Pedro O'Neill. And, you know, they, they were wonderful people. But, uh, you know, it just shows you the extent of uh, and the way that the Irish people have penetrated the world. Now, they probably were there from, you know, before Texas and everything else was uh, annexed away from the, uh, from Mexico because 
the Mexican uh, Mexican government had given land to the Irish uh, to the Irish to try and populate uh, the 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 uh, their territory. Uh, but um, I don't know their full story, and they couldn't uh, relate their full story either. But I found it fascinating. They were a wonderful group of people. There was probably in the extended family that came around to us, there was probably about 50 or 60 of them. It was a wonderful, wonderful occasion. They seemed to be very prosperous, thank God. And, uh, you know, it seemed that they had done well uh, in their newfound land. But they never, ever forgot their Irish heritage. Not part of the cartel, are they? Uh, no, they, they were pure, honest farmers. So that, I can tell you that. They were good, good, honest people. Well, it's great to hear that. Uh, and was it busy? The we, gig? Yeah, we, we had a gig there, which we, the hall would have held about 400. Uh, it wasn't a huge big hall or anything like that, but uh, we sold out and, you know, it was great. Uh, it was great to, to feel that, the, you know, the Irish had gone so far as the Mexican border. And we had people from, like, uh, you know, all heritages there. Like, we had people of, um, you know, Native American heritage as well. So people from all over came to, to see what was this, a curiosity, maybe. But we were the Wolf Tones telling the story of Ireland. And they were very proud of the fact that we brought it there to Nogales. And we are very proud to sing for them. So of all... All the people that came along, I remember they were all generations too. They all enjoyed the show immensely. I couldn't believe like uh, the applause that we got at the end of a standing ovation. And, you know, you wouldn't think like this far south in uh, the United States that we would have had been a popular group. But that's how we penetrated the world. It's an amazing story. And I always remember the Mexican sombrero in the house oh, when yeah. I was a kid. Well, that was, an, that was another time, 1968, we were over there and we were playing in Los Angeles and... Uh, was, was that from 68? That wasn't the same time, no. Six, that, that, that wasn't the house. No, no, that wasn't but, the same time. Because well, we I was young, so I, I can be excused. <laughs> we, 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 I think that was 1969, but you remember yeah. the sombreros and all that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we went uh, we went south, we were playing in... Uh, we were playing in... Um, in Los Angeles, and uh, we went south, and we were playing in San Francisco, all around the, the West Coast, and we went south, and uh, uh, the time of the hippies and all that and everything else like that. Uh, so we're going over the border, and the border fellas say, say to us in a, Senor hippie, senor hippie, you cannot come in, we must get haircut. So, <laughs> were you a hippie at that stage? <laughs> we, we all had hair rolling down. No, that's where we did have hair. But, uh, yeah. This is when you're the most beardy band in Ireland. <laughs> we had beards and hair, and we look like hippies, I guess. But senor hippie, you can't come in unless you get your hair cut. So we had to get our hair cut. <laughs> we didn't get it cut that much, but we got it tidied up. And the, I think I remember reading in your book that you met Pat Boone. Yeah, we met Pat Boone out there. What a great guy, a wonderful, wonderful person. And people don't remember his popularity. He was more popular I than... I don't. I like Because I, yeah. I was reading about it and you were like, I was saying, she's Pat Boone. Now, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't actually know any of his songs or anything like that. But it, looking at the picture in the book, I was going, geez, he's a, he's a fine-looking fella. He was <laughs> a good-looking guy, yeah. Fine-looking. We, we look like uh, tramps beside <laughs> Oh, you, you had a good look now, you had a little beardy, beardy look, you know, going on. Oh, little. that was after I was tidied up by the Mexican. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, 
But anyhow, Pat Boone was a great guy. He's, and people don't know this, he sold more records than Elvis Presley. I didn't he, know that. He, yeah, he yeah. did. And it's, um, he was very, very proud to tell us all about that. He said, you know, I was, uh, I was, um, you know, a bigger star. He was kind of the clean image of that, of that, uh, what was that his, period of what time. What would it be his biggest hit? Many, many big hits. Uh, Moody River was one of them. I remember, Never you know. Um, Never heard. You wouldn't have, yeah. <laughs> I got a love, a, love letters in the sand <laughs> on a day like today. We're past the time away. Writing. Oh, I do know that song. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I do know that song. Um, what else did he have? He had loads of bloody hits, you know. And uh, he was huge and made movies and all that kind of thing. But... Seamus has fallen asleep there. Wake up! But anyhow, yeah. He, he did great hits and uh, April Love, April Love. I had all them kind of songs. But they were all kind of smooth and unrocky and, you know, he was the clean boy of rock and roll. Yeah. Right, on this we're going to take a break now, Dad. I'm going to play the Zoological Garden because I want to play out with another... St. Patrick's song before we finish off. So we'll cut now to the Zoological Gardens by the Wolf Tones, 1965 Fontana Records. I remember it well. A thundering lightning, it's no lack when Dublin City is in the dark. Would you care to come to the Phoenix Park and review the Zoological Last Sunday night we had no dough So I took the mask up to see the zoo We saw the lions and the kangaroos Inside the zoological garden Now we went out there because of luck Says the mutts to me, shall we come down the lock? And I knew she was a one of the choir all stuck inside the zoological garden. Says the mutt to me, me to your friend Jack, would you like a ride on the elephant's back? If you don't get with that, I'll give you such a crack inside the zoological garden. Now we went out there on our honeymoon. Says the mutt to me, if you don't come soon, I'll have to sleep in with the hairy baboon inside the zoological garden. Thunder and lightning, it's no lack, when Dublin City is in the dark, for the mayor to go to the Phoenix Park and view the zoological gardens. The Zoological Gardens by the Wolf Tones, back in 1965, sung by a very young Brian Warfield, my dad sitting beside me. And for anyone that can't see, obviously you can't see if you're listening on podcast, he has a puppet. I will put a picture up. And he's had a good few cans of Guinness, a bottle of wine, and I think he's loving the fact that the puppet is uh, has come alive in his hands. Anyway... So, Dad, we were talking about the Apollo uh, in Glasgow. Yeah. And I did a bit of research into it. And you played the Apollo in 1983 and 1984. And in 1983, you played the Apollo on the 29th of April. Do you know that date? I don't remember the date. Where were they? No, the 29th of April. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean now, yeah. It was my birthday. Of course. <laughs> and I was uh, 15 years of age. Really? Yeah. And I I can't remember you playing on the Apollo, because obviously I didn't go. Because the first time I went to the to the Scotland to see you play was in the Barrowlands. And uh, it was the night before Liam Brady's Celtic played Rangers in the League Cup final. And it would have been in, I think it was the October Bank holiday weekend. And uh, I remember going up to, going into the Barrowlands with you. And I got offered two tickets for the cup final for one ticket for the Wolf Tones. Oh, that was a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> but that's mad. Like, to me, that was mad. Like, people yeah. were actually swapping. Because we, we, were, we were struggling to get tickets. We needed three tickets for the, for, for the game that time. And uh, I think we only had one on the night of the thing. And I was going, Jesus, I could... <laughs> anyway, I didn't. And uh, But I'll never forget, I didn't go backstage with you that night because I wanted to be out front. And I remember queuing in the Barrowlands for about 40 minutes to get a drink. And there was three of us. There was myself, Mick Fleming, and Aidan Maguire, I think it was. And we queued for... I queued, the lads were sitting down or up the middle, halfway up the, the Barrowlands crowd. And uh, I queued and when I came out and I'd got six points to each and I was walking through the crowd and then John McDonald came on and uh, you introduced and everybody sat down on the ground. As they did, yeah. Yeah, mm. back in the day. And I was going deadly because when everybody sat down I didn't have to push through the crowd and I was walking along tip drawing through people going up to try and find where Mick and Aiden was and as I got up to just I'd say it was about 20 steps away from Aiden and Mick this guy pulled me down and pulled the points all over me and he goes respect the song <laughs> I was going, you know, fucking bollocks. I've just fucking queued for 40 minutes. I had to get back in the queue again. I'm fucking raging. Well, he was proper. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know, in fairness. Like, he, he was right. No, he wasn't. Like, you can't sit You can't sit on the floor in the Barrowlands. I've seen what's done on that. That's not nice. Anyway, to go back to your Apollo, um, so in 83, you played in the Apollo on the 29th of April and it was £3.75 in. A bargain, was it, back then? £3.75. I, I don't... I, yeah, I guess it was. Like, yeah. Well, you played... The, the night before you... Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark played, the band that I love, and they were £6 in. And the night after, Johnny Mattis played and he was £5 in. So I reckon you were a good deal. We were cheap. <laughs> but I have to tell you, I have to tell you, after after the concert, um, they had a policy in the Apollo, like, um, that any damage done um, uh, during the concert, what's, paid, what's to be paid for by the artist, you, you were responsible for your public that came along. And... Um, I looked down and went up uh, on the balcony after the thing and uh, after the show and I had a look around and all the seats had collapsed. <laughs> all the seats had collapsed. People standing up on the seats and uh, they, they collapsed down. They mustn't be very, very well constructed but our rest were very old. But anyhow, uh, after the gig, um, you know... Uh, 
Peggy Jones, who was running the show, said, you know, there's a bill here uh, for the Wolf Tones. Uh, they're gonna, you're going to have to pay for all the damage. And uh, after, the sh- uh, after a week or two, we never got paid. And uh, it turned out that we owed them money <laughs> rather than make money out of the gig. And I said, I don't care. That was one of the best nights of my life. But that that might have been the gig in '84 because you were saying that was just before it closed. It's just before yeah. it closed. So the, yeah. the gig in '83, you played twice there, '83 yeah, and '84. Yeah. So the gig in '84, uh, you played in between Queensrÿche and Kiss, who were supported by Bon Jovi. Oh Two heavy God. metal bands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you couldn't get more off the the night before. You were Queensrÿche. And the night after was Kiss and Bon Jovi. There you and, go. And Bon Jovi only played six songs on the night. And uh, one thing I asked you, I, I asked you where the Apollo uh, was, and the Apollo was up at the back of uh, Molly Malone's, or uh, up the street to Malone's, which would have been uh, Renfield Street. So where what's there now is a cinema, but it originally was a cinema. Oh, I guess it was yeah, yeah. during the uh, the yeah. old days. It was originally it was called the Green the Green Playhouse Cinema. Yeah, it was a it was a huge big place. Yeah. I remember that. And and uh, people always commented on the the balcony that the balcony was on steel and it hopped up and down. Oh can yeah. You, can you remember when were you sold out? Did you sell sell out? Oh, we did. Yeah, yeah. sold out weeks and weeks and, uh, yeah. before we got there because um, you know we we are held out of Glasgow for so long. And uh, when we did go there, of course, um, you know, it was a complete sellout. You couldn't get a ticket for love no money. And uh, it was just a massive crowd of people. Uh, we, we, It was uh, one of the great experiences of my life. No doubt about it. Yeah, and uh, so... When that place opened, it was Johnny Cash was the first performer, and really, yeah. And then he did two shows, and the last one after that was, or the very last gig was the Style Council, which which was Paul Weller. So two very good, uh, and that sort of put me off to the fact that this puppet keeps rising above me. <laughs> You're fascinating. We rise in the morning if we're feeling grand. Rise in the morning if we're feeling. Did I ever tell you that story? Um, we were. Um, we were in London, um, you know, in the National in London, and we played there many, many times. But um, I, we were in London one time and, uh, you know, um, we played our gig and everything else like that, always packed. And you're talking about balconies going up and down with the music. We're on the one road, hopping up and down. Well, if you saw the balcony in the National, you'd know about it. I don't know how it stayed up. It was remarkable that it stayed up. I, I don't know how I did it. But anyhow, after the show, this guy calls me over. And uh, he was a real cockney guy, you know. And um, he says, says to me, you Brian? Yeah, 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 yeah. He says, uh, I want to tell you something. I can't do the cockney accent. <laughs> no, but, uh, I was going to say, that's, coming, that's American. That's, that's the same like accent as American, American accent. I can't do it. But anyhow, he said, uh, yeah, he says... We guys, we came over, he said, to clock you one because you were ta- you're singing against our country. And um, he says, then we heard that song, Typical Paddy, he said, Typical Paddy. We heard that song. We'll rise in the morning if we're feeling grand. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
I never enlighten them to the real words. <laughs> we'll rise in the morning with the Fenian band. But uh, he thought it was a rise in the morning with the, if we're feeling grand. And typical Paddy. But that guy came back uh, many, many times. He found his Irish grandmother. He loved his songs. He became a great rebel. He was... Um, he loved the wolf tones. He became, he brought down friends of his every. We were there every other week, and uh, you know something. If you could say there couldn't have been a more loyal supporter of both the wolf tones in Ireland after that encounter, so it just shows you the power of music. Did he rise in the morning when he was feeling grand? He rose in the morning every day. <laughs> we rise in the morning if we're feeling grand. So. I gotta ask you, being Paddy's Day, Dad, what's the best Paddy's Day gig that you've ever done? It's hard to say because um Well what was the what was the, I know all Paddy Day's gigs are great, but there has to be one that stands out in your mind that went, Oh, uh, that was just brilliant. Well, we 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 did go to uh, Australia for one Paddy's Day gig. I think I mentioned that earlier on. But uh, it was a day that was on TikTok, you're all right. Oh, was it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we um, we were on tour in America and we got a gig for um, uh, Paddy's Night in Australia, in Melbourne. And I remember it was a big, huge uh, boxing stadium. And uh, the boxing stadium, of course, like, you, you know, in Melbourne, it's a huge, big uh, uh, place. But we played there to a full audience. I mean, the place was stuffos. And, uh, you know, I couldn't believe, like, uh, we got over there. So we, we left Los Angeles uh, the day before. I went to the International day, Date Line. We lose a day. We got, arrived there, Paddy's Day in the morning. And uh, we go down and have a sound check. We do the concert, finish the concert, go back to the hotel, back to the airport, and back to continue our tour in... Uh, America. No drink. But, uh, <laughs> very little, I can tell you. But, um, you know, it was just an experience you couldn't believe because, you know, that place was a massive place with masses of people. And, I mean, when I talk about the reception that we got, you know, it was mentioned that they had broken their uh, American tour just to be with us here on St. Patrick's Night in uh, Melbourne. It was just like uh, people went crazy. And we couldn't put a foot wrong after that. Like, it was just like, you know, you couldn't do wrong. And uh, it was just fantastic. Every song we sung was like, you know, lapped up. And uh, and every song was a st- not a standing ovation, but got a huge uh, round of applause. But, I mean, what what a time it was. And then back on the... Back on the uh, on the bus the following morning, airport back to Los Angeles, continued the tour, went up to San Francisco, and on and on. But that's the way it was on tour. And uh, but it's a memorable St. Patrick's Day. Wow! I think my best gig in on thinking about it will be probably Malone's in Glasgow about two no where were we three years ago, mm. and. Uh, you played Malone's. I've seen you in Malone's a couple of times. I've seen you the night before Ireland played Scotland in Malone's. There you go. That's right, yeah. Uh, you're a little bit fascinated with this. Up Ireland! <laughs> By the way, Dwyer says hello. Hello, Dwyer. How are you doing? 
Good to see you. So anyone listening on podcast and not looking on video, <laughs> you have not got a clue what's going on. And you're probably better off, to be honest. I don't know. Surely, yeah. whatever happens, happens. Yeah, so playing Malone's in Glasgow, and that was, it was unbelievable to see the amount of people that came into, like the whole lane, you know the whole lane as you walk down to Malone's? Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. Everything yeah. was closed off both sides and they'd band downstairs, band upstairs and it was just a great night. We stayed on then. We, that was our last gig and we played, uh, we watched a couple of bands afterwards. I think Gary Oak played and a few others and it was brilliant. Um, and it's great to see, like I haven't been over to gig in America and, and gig in Scotland, how much the Scottish people enjoyed our Irish heritage, you know? Dad. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, uh, yeah, uh, that's that's the thing. One of the things I try to do when I'm, you know, I, I think I might have mentioned it before, was like try and reconnect, uh, uh, reconnect the Celtic uh, to Ireland. And, you know, because all the kids were following Manchester United and, and uh, Liverpool and... You know all the English uh, Premier um, clubs, and forgetting about our loved Celtic, but um, and uh, one of the reasons um, I wrote Celtic Symphony was to try and re-establish that, and it, it did. And it, if you ask me, what was one of the most or the achievements I'm most proud of? That that would be it. And I suppose many people wouldn't know, but I I knew about it. It was a time when Celtic was almost forgotten in Ireland. But, you know, now everybody in Ireland loved Celtic. Well, I wouldn't and, say everybody. <laughs> well, you have the one or two like Seamus. Seamus, follow Celtic. What about the people on the other side of the divide? No, 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 they follow Celtic too. <laughs> I think they, they may not. Um I was also looking in your book. Uh, re- I've been reading your book the last couple of well, for the. I'm the, glad someone's reading it. The last two weeks. <laughs> well, now was your time to advertise it. Like you know, you can yeah. tell people you've written a book. It's a hardback copy. It contains. It can either contain two CDs and two DVDs. That's or, right. Yeah. Or none. And if people want to get it, how do they get it? You get it on the Wolf Tones website, www.wolftonesofficialsite.com. Go and get the book. It's worth well worthwhile. It's a good read. It's um, 300 and odd pages, and uh, it tells the story of basically my life and the Wolf Tones. Yeah. But it comes with, if you wanted, with two great CDs and two, and a two yeah, DVDs. Yeah, well... They were put together over the times and uh, I thought some tracks that uh, that were neglected by both the media uh, and the radios. Um, like, a lot of people forget that, uh, you know, I played the harp. And when I look back now, I played the harp very well. I didn't realise back then that I was playing so well. But the opening tune uh, that we play here... Is you, is, yeah. Is yeah, you playing. Oh, yeah. Carolyn's favourite jig, one of my favourites. And actually, I have a... I have a what did a copyright objection on on um, Acast now? Really, from what? To your opening tune? Not at all. That's <laughs> no, I do. It's I think it's just an automatic thing. Yeah, I don't no. think it's from you. I think it's it's just a 
they they recognize the tune and they say it's not your original material it's belonged to someone else so well so little do they, they know. don't know do they <laughs> that I play the harp right Seamus <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> but there you go so no yeah the opening tune that's why I picked it was because it was you and it was yeah, yeah. And, and I, and I love the fact when you did play the harp I used to love listening yeah. to play the harp unfortunately now if I you know with the Parkinson's that I have and not not many not too many people out there would know that you have Parkinson's yeah Dyson, well so. you know and I'm quite um Quite yeah. shaky. You have it a long time now, haven't you? Yeah, well, my wife calls me Shaken Stevens because yeah. <laughs> I, I can't hold a tea at breakfast. But, um, yeah, you, know, you get on with life. What else can you do? But, um, yeah, one of the unfortunate things about that is I, I, I struggle uh, playing instruments and um, I struggle with the harp. I, I wish I loved it. Even when I didn't bring it on tour... I enjoyed playing it at home and just amusing myself, um, you know, with the lovely tunes of the harp, um, be it Carol's Concerto or, uh, or the many, many other tunes. I actually wrote a harp tune called She, F- she Finn and it was um, about a mountain that uh, is opposite my house and it was uh, one of those great megalithic... Me- Megalithic tons. Megalithic. I've been up there. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's an amazing we, place. Yeah. I brought all the kids up around those mountains when they were all kids, and some of them on my back. But we climbed all the mountains around and looked down, and they were very, very important uh, old, um, probably prehistoric sites of religion or otherwise, yeah. but fabulous, fabulous uh, monuments. When you get up there and you see how how much work went into that like yeah. on top of a hill like that is really hard to climb like you know like it's, it's not a, easy it's, it's a two hour climb up like yeah. you know and it's just it's, you, you not can, easy with a kid on your back you can feel it well I, I did it quite recently I did it a couple did of months you, ago yeah, yeah. Well, I did it with Rory on my back <laughs> and uh, but anyhow yeah but it's it, it, they're fabulous and you know you know we have so many, many of them are neglected. And I feel that she feels and she, um, she can and, uh, are neglected very much. Uh, if any other country in the world had them, they'd be their most important monuments. But because we have so many, um, they're neglected, I feel. But, you know, probably don't have the money to look after so many sites. No, yeah. Well, the way things are going now with COVID, we don't. <laughs> I think we'd be broke for years. <laughs> yeah. They'd be, be taking tax money out of my body when I'm dead. <laughs> uh, so yeah, come back to the book. So tonight, as I was on the way up to you, before I got stopped by the guards at Brits, the Brits in your old pub, um, I passed by the embankment. And I talked about the many stories of, and I, I remember. See, when you're when you're young, things cross over, and I'm sure you're the same when you were younger. Like you know, you're not too sure whether it was just your imagination or whether it was real. But do I? I remember rightly in saying there used to be sessions on a Sunday afternoon in the in the embankment that you used to go up to the odd time, and the free wheelers would be there, and other lots of other bands would have been there. Yeah, well, the embankment was uh, like, um, I remember Mick McCarthy came to us uh, probably about 
1970 or thereabouts, and we were playing in the Four Courts uh, Hotel in Dublin, which is now the Four Courts. They knocked it down. But um, he came in, and we, we had a very successful show running for, um, like, it ran three days a week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And we we had every single person that ever was in the ballot scene, and we put them on that show. And uh, we used to introduce the artists, and uh, we, we'd have Luke Kelly, we had the Ludlows, we had everybody. But, um, you know, uh, when, when Mick McCarthy bought the pub up here in the mountains... He came into the four courts and said, you know, I have a little old sheepian up in the hills there. Would you come up and, you know, do a night for me, you know, regular night like you're doing here? The only night we had basically left behind was a Thursday night. So he we said, well, maybe we can give you Thursday, but we go up and try the place first and see what it's like. So I still have the advertisement, I think it's in the book, about... Uh, the opening of the, the pub, he had, um, I think he had the Dubliners there, he had um, us there, and I can't remember who else yeah, he had. Yeah, there was a good few bands, I can't remember yeah, myself. I only, few, I only yeah. read it uh, two days ago. Yeah, though. but um, he had loads of people open up. We, we we opened up and we took on a Thursday night there for a while, and uh, it became very, very successful and a very successful venue, a great venue. There was only one problem, McCarthy hate paying you. <laughs> suppose like most uh, publicans but uh, yeah but at the end of the day like uh, it became one of the most popular venues in Dublin and was that for many many years sadly it's closed down now it was bought by McGettigans you know and uh, I think because of uh, ever no Louis thing. Louis Fitzgerald had it then didn't he and then he turned he, no um, yeah he yeah. had it for a while and then he put Louis nightclubs he while, put nightclubs yeah, yeah. in it and yeah and then it sort of went downhill from the nightclub yeah I think yeah, he got yeah. a bad crowd going yeah. there or something yeah. but you know Louis actually was uh, Louis and Leo they were both uh, they were managing Mick McCarthy's pub and and uh, you know for for years and. Uh, uh, I knew them very well before they went out on their own and uh, bought their own pubs and made their way uh, through uh, life. But Mick McCarty says, I bought them them pubs. <laughs> <laughs> well, done well. As he Louis, would say. Louis's been hugely successful. He is hugely successful, yeah. yeah. Dad, we're getting to 50 minutes, so uh, we're getting our time to say good sign off on our podcast. So unless you want to say anything else. Uh, I just want to say... Um, Thank you for being with us here and this is St. Patrick's Day. I know you're getting it a little later, but, uh, you know, we've had a great day. I hope you had a great St. Patrick's Day. Important to be proud of your heritage, to be proud of your history, be proud of your song, be proud of who you are. We're Irish. I'm proud to be. Exactly, yeah. So thanks again for listening. This is uh, the podcast called Zoological Gardens. So goodbye from Seamus. Bye, bye, <laughs> Miss American Pie. It's goodbye from Brian. And goodbye from Kieran. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, don't forget to give us a, a, a review or a like or a share and let your friends and family know. God bless. Take care. <laughs>
of London I met an old man He kept a bar Called the Horses and Tram My parents were Irish They loved that dear land The Cockney, he smiled And he shook my old hand My heart is in Ireland It's there I long to be Our hills and our valleys Are calling to me Side cafe, a young girl came smiling and to me did say, Well, my folks are from Ireland, me dad he hopes one day when he leaves the mines, sure we'll go back to stay. My heart is in Ireland, it's there I long to be. Hills and her valleys are calling to me. I drank and I sang In a pub they call the crown With the Birmingham Irish We sang songs of home My heart is in Ireland It's there I long to be Her hills and her valleys Are calling to me Ireland, it's there I long to be. 